it's time for my favorite part of the show, and that is to talk about Battle Bards. Battle Bards gives you lots of quality sound effects and music and soundscapes and all sorts of things, both for fantasy and science fiction. Check them out at BattleBards.com. You can sign up for a Prime subscription, and if you use our discount code of STACK, you get a 20% discount on signing up for that account. You'll get access to streaming uh, sound effects and tools that you can use to set up your sound effects in advance if you know you're going to be using certain things during a game. Check them out, BattleBards.com. We also have several ways you can contact us. On Twitter and on Instagram, our handle is at Stackadice, and our email address is stack.o.dice at gmail.com. We also have a wiki where I keep track of notes and things, vardalon.wikia.com. If you are interested in seeing more stuff about the show, little tidbits that may not end up in the show ever, uh, go check that out. Also, if you want to help, you can add parts that maybe I've missed in putting in. Uh, You can help us to build out the wiki, and that will have a lasting effect where, you know, it'll eventually become a compendium of all the fun stuff about this game that we're creating together. And also, if you've not done so yet, we'd love for you to stop in at iTunes and give us a review. We could benefit from that greatly, knowing that uh, we have people out there who are listening and liking the show. You'll help us a lot and help others to find out about the show if you stop in and give us a review and a rating. We'd love to hear from you. The question I'd like to start with, and this is a very broad one, and we'll start with Michael. What are you thankful for? I am thankful for my family. Man, he took mine. (laughs) Okay. That's as succinct as he gets. (laughs) Mm. Any particular reason or is it just... I, uh, as we were sitting around the table in the evening and eating our Thanksgiving meal, I just looked at my children and my wife and I said, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, it's just, you know, we, 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 we just got off of a of a trip where we had a good time and um, to sit there and be able to, not everybody has the ability to sit down with a mother and a father and siblings and have a meal. I didn't grow up with that. So um, I, I appreciate it. Great. How about you, Meredith? Well, pretty much anything any of us says other than that is going to sound shallow and horrible. I'm thankful no. for my <laughs> clothes. <Yeah. laughs> I'm thankful for my good looks. <laughs> Um, all right, you ask a broad question, I'll give an equally broad answer, I suppose. I'm just thankful for my life. It seems we're in a... uh, Yesterday on a Facebook page that I'm a member of, somebody asked a would-you-rather question, and it was, would you rather have one wish granted today or three wishes in 10 years? And I opted for the latter because, and my reason was, I don't really have much to wish for today. You know, but 10 years from now, you never know. My kids will be grown and out of the house. It'll be nice to wish right? them. <laughs> wish them to stay away. No, it'll be nice to wish them back for a visit or wish something that would be helpful to them in their young adult lives. But I just don't, I don't have much to wish for right now, you know. Um, not that everything is perfect, but I'm just grateful for where I am and where we are. Thane, how about you? I guess I'm just thankful for... <laughs> this, um, <laughs> he wasn't thinking about it. Yeah, no I, I was, I was thinking, but now like I just turkey. have to. Fig- 
Pecan pie. <laughs> Bread. Okay. I'm thankful for just all the things I have, I guess. I mean, because you guys took all the actual good stuff. <laughs> but just like, I live in this nation where I have all these freedoms and I have all of these things that I don't even need. Like, I have time to just sit here and pretend with three other people instead of having to work to support my family. So that's, I guess I'm thankful for that. Yeah. I was going to say country also because when you compare life in other places, I've seen some other places and nothing really does compare to the United States. Obviously, we have problems. We have things that we are working through. But overall, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And also, uh, this podcast, I'm thankful that we have jumped into this together. And I think we're all growing together as a result. It's been a lot of fun to see this go from a dream that Thane and I would talk about on our walks to actually being something that we're doing and seeing some results. So I'm just thankful for this time together. I grew from Thanksgiving meal. (laughs) (laughs) Like, seriously. (laughs) I put on this yeah. under the shirt under here, and I'm like, <laughs> I guess it doesn't have to button. <laughs> it's under a sweater. Yeah, it's under a sweater. Who cares? As long as I can get the top one, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is not actually button. <laughs> Follow a band of intrepid friends as they seek to understand the world changing around them, and as they work together to face a growing evil. Enter a world of adventure and mystery in Bardalon. Welcome to Vardalon, a world we have made up specifically for this ongoing 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons adventure. I'm Rhett, the DM, and with me is my crew... Meredith as Tira Ironstag. Michael as Wamberbash Benson Mom. Thane as Peter Greyhawk. In our last episode, the heroes of Arden found time with the Surdan of Seth Arben, a young man of the world who is familiar with the country of Moriga. Intrigued by the cover story that Tira, Bash, and Peter are wandering scholars... Looking to write a history of his country, he granted them a royal token for access to the library. Now the friends are standing outside the grand tent with the vizier Araf just inside, an imposing man with an annoying cough. What will they do next? While they're here to pursue the stag's quest, they have the additional mission of rescuing Sadia's brother, Amesh, from imprisonment. What will they find in the library? Find out now. Who's ready to tell a story? Me. I am. As I said, you're standing outside the Grand Tent. You've just left the presence of the Surdan, and Arav is still apparently inside, attending to things. And you are standing outside with a royal token. What are you going to do? Well, guys, I guess it's time for us to go to the library. (laughs) Your favorite place, Peter. Yes. Well, this will be sweet when we walk up to the door to that punk who wouldn't let us in before. Flash this coin in his face. Let's go right now. Okay. Tira's on fire. <laughs> Wamberbash, are you coming with I'll us? Oh, revenge on that yes. dude. <laughs> he was smug and he was... No, he wasn't. Was he? <laughs> he was... He was right? quite He was quite gentle. <laughs> yeah, he's, Yeah, I mean, Wamberbash tried to bribe him. He was like, thanks, but I do not need money. Say <laughs> <laughs> smug. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you is a jerk. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. 
So you are at the entrance to the Grand Tent. The library is at the two o'clock position. Now that it's growing on toward evening, it's probably about six in the evening here. Uh, so things are starting to cool off. People are starting to come out of their tents and enjoy the cool of the evening. So you'll see lots of people just kind of sitting on the edges of the discs and swinging their feet or talking quietly amongst themselves as evening begins to descend over the desert. I guess I walk up to the guy who's standing in front of the library and I uh, show him the coin. I say, we're here to go into the library. Ah. We're here to go to the library. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. I see you have your token. Come on in, please. Thank you. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> so smug. <laughs> Smarmy. <laughs> All right, you We're step in. inside. Yes. Yeah, we, you... need, we need that. We're in. <laughs> We're in. Under the protective canvas covering the tent is the rich green cloth you saw during your previous visit. The effect is that your eyes feel immediately relaxed after being exposed to the white glare of the sun on the sand for much of the bright day. The entirety of the tent's wall is covered by scroll shelves made of an expensive-looking dark wood. Each shelf has a silver mesh across its opening, presumably so scrolls may be seen, but won't be jostled out of place while the city is moving to a new location. What's interesting is that there appears to be another smaller tent inside this tent, the inner structure is made of much the same material, but is thicker and more velvety, with tasteful silver decorations shaped like tree silhouettes to relieve the dark color. The entrance to this inner room is opposite the main tent's door, so to get to it, one must walk to the back of the tent. The ceiling is the translucent canvas, so there's natural lighting, although given the darkening sky outside, an attendant is making the rounds, lighting little slipper-like lamps of oil. And that is what you see. What are you going to do? I'm going to walk to the right, because I'm going to go over to where we knock down a bookcase to see exactly okay, that's actually going to be on the left back yeah, left side. I'm going to walk to the left, <clears throat> okay. because I'm going to see um, yeah. the damage that we caused. I'm going to go with Wumberbash. It's fine. You see a shelf that has been hastily reset. Uh, it's not fixed back into place. Presumably that's going to happen before the city moves again. Uh, but you can see that the base has been cracked and splintered and the scrolls have been uh, not hastily shoved back in, but they have, they've actually been laid out in order. And you can see actually, as you come around that bend in the hallway, that one of the attendants is there and is looking over them carefully and trying to put them back into some sort of order. I what? look over at Tyr and I'm like, Ooh, what happened here? I'm going to walk up to the attendant. What What happened? It was the strangest thing. Uh, we were <laughs> we were attending to the to the ancient ones, and all of a sudden, the shelves just fell over. I've never seen anything like it. Oh, what's this red hair strip here? Traitor! The ancient ones is that like people? Oh yes. Are they are they here? Yes. M may I see them? You are here to see them? Yes. May I see your token? Yes. Here you go. Peter. <laughs> okay, you hold out the heavy metal token. And he 
smiles and bows to you, to all three of you individually, and then says, if, if you'll permit me one moment. Yeah, okay. And he calls softly over his shoulder, and another attendant who is not taking care of the scrolls comes around the bend from where the door to the inner tent is toward you. He says something in his tongue that you can't understand. And then the attendant who joined you just now uh, smiles and bows and beckons to you to follow. How many are there? Attendants? Yes. So far you've seen at least three. There's the one outside the door, the one fixing the scrolls, and then the one who was further back in the tent. Okay. Okay, Thane, you were going to say something to the new attendant? I was going to follow. I was going to say I follow the attendant. Okay. I guess all three of you are going. I guess so. Mm-hmm. We're going into the inner tent now? Presumably. Okay. If that's what you want to do. If you'd rather stay outside, you can. Mm-hmm. You can help him fix the scrolls. You can Tira. do your duty. <laughs> I feel really badly that you're stuck out here doing this all by yourself. You <laughs> make your <laughs> You make your way around to the back of the outer tent, which is where the entrance to the inner tent is. And normally the attendant that you're with would have been standing here but there's a large flap that goes into this inner tent. And as he arrives there, he says, one moment, please. And he ducks inside and you hear some low discussion. And then he comes back out and he says, follow me, please. And he goes back in and he's actually crawling. You see as he, uh, he's crawling on his hands and knees. So do we need to get down on our hands I'm and knees to- too and imitate him? That's going, up to you. I'm going to crawl on my hands and knees. I guess we should. Yeah. You may not be entirely sure what you expected to be in this inner room, but the actuality somewhat surprises you. As the attendant lifted away the flap, you saw the room was devoid of furniture or ornamentation. Only a pile of cushions covers the floor. Unlike the outer ring, the ceiling here is made of the same green material as the tent's sides, so the room is relatively dark. In the gloom, you can see what look like three large lumps. When the curtain door settles back into place, you expect the room to be utterly dark, but thankfully there are three oil lamps here, lit and set roughly in a triangle on the floor. The attendant touches his forehead deftly to the floor and speaks into the dimness, in a language again that you don't understand. At these words, the lumps shift ever so slightly and you see that they're actually people. Each lamp rests just in front of a person who sits cross-legged on a small pile of comfortable cushions. There's just enough light to see their deeply seamed faces. Glittering black eyes stare at you in the yellow light. They shift to track your every movement, but that is the only movement these three ancient people make. Mm. I am also touching my forehead to the ground. Really not sure what hey, um, I, I'm sorry to bother you. Um, I have some questions. The attendant with you translates into Akarib, and you notice you've not, you're obviously not fluent in either of the dialects of Setharban, but even to your untrained ears, you can hear that there's a difference. Akarib is more in the back of the throat whereas Abayid tends to be more in the, in the front of the mouth. So it sounds more guttural, and at the same time, it sounds more formal. Uh, but after a moment, you hear a voice. You don't really seem to see any of the old, the ancient ones' mouths moving, 
but you can hear it almost like a papery voice responding. It seems to come from everywhere and nowhere all at once. And the attendant says, they wish to know what information you seek. I pull out our map with the poem on the back and I ask, we're looking for the jewels of Edelin. He translates that back into their language and I, I won't have to say this again, just understand that there's translation going on between you. Mm-hmm. After a moment, the response comes back, you are in one of the jewels of Edelin. This tent? The library. This is an ancient poem. We know of what you speak. We have a copy of it here as well. May we have a copy? We already no, have it. That is not copy. how it works. We already have it, one Bash. You have a written copy that Peter transcribed on oh, the oh, back. Oh, I thought, I thought, I, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, I thought it was like some other type of no. the actual like information, <clears throat> which is the jewel that you oh. have a copy of. No. Or something. No, I'm like, well, no. They have a no. copy of the poem. If you'll know. remember from the poem, the, what you, I know it's been a long time since we had this episode. Mm-hmm. What you came to the understanding of through the poem, and I remember you were marking on it at the time, yeah. is that the cities are actually the jewels. Yeah. Uh, the the cities were called the jewels of Edelin. And so uh, casting your memories back to that, you remember, yes, that's that's what it was. But the the libraries as the center of knowledge within these four jewels are the uh, are the repositories where the treasure of the mm-hmm. knowledge became made them the jewels that they are. I'm gonna pull up my uh, sleeve on my um, fancy, garb yes and uh, reveal my stone which is gonna i guess glow that maroon or burgundy mm-hmm. i notice it and, especially and, I, and i'm gonna say um do, do you know what these are as you pull it out you can almost see them not flinch but they draw backward and you can see their eyes the glitter in their eyes fade back into the black where they they pull out of the light and then again, the voice, the papery voice speaks. And the attendant says, Who are you? From where do you come? And what is this? Well, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> I am an ego Montoya. <laughs> kill my father. You kill my father. Prepare to die. Um, <laughs> you speak. <laughs> no, no, I'll do it. I'll He's do it. Asking you, I, 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 I like, I like, lift my head from the ground. I say, "We are the heart, the, the Hardy we Boys, are the Hardy Boys." <laughs> <laughs> and this is Nancy Drew. <laughs> I say, "We are the heroes of Arden." That may not mean much to him here. Yeah, there's no response us. from the attendant. Like I said, you speak. <laughs> <laughs> we come from Moriga. But what is this on your wrist? The, these, these were given to us by a very large stag. At that, there's some more <laughs> questioning glances from the attendant toward the ancient ones and more whispered conversation in the darkness. Does it appear that they... No, don't know what we're talking about, or does it yeah. appear like they're that they're going like there's dawning comprehension? There's definitely comprehension. Okay, all right. 
Bumper bash. Just like, make sure that we're not telling a story and there's like, mm, that's not ringing any bills. So what do they what do they respond after I say? Yeah, so we, they, we were like given the these by a large stag. Right. They, there's whispered discussion and the urgency in the voices seems to pick up just a little bit, but they seem to be more focused on the mention of stones over a stag. Over the stag. Okay. Yeah. So we, we do haven't really gotten a response from my question per se of, do you know what these are? Not yet. Okay. Um, we actually, they asked you what it was. Yeah. Well, after that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, can you can you guys show them your stones? Yeah, we we each have one, and I pull mine out. I guess it's in my pack. Yes, that's where you said you kept yeah. it. Yeah, so I pull it out. And Peter pulls his necklace out. Mm-hmm. That's not in the shape of a music. And as all three of you hold your stones out, they seem to glint in the lamplight okay. in your individual colors: mm-hmm. amber, burgundy, yeah. and green. lime green. But it's not like they're glowing. It's just more like the light reflecting off of the facets of the stones mm-hmm. seems to mm-hmm. take on the appropriate color. And all three of the ancient ones, you can hear them take in a breath. And then one of them starts to hum. You hear a voice starting to hum. And after a few notes in, another voice joins and begins to hum along, forming a counter melody. And then the third voice joins in, and their voices sound stronger than they sounded while they were talking. And then after about 10 to 15 seconds of this, you have no idea what they're doing, but there, there are words going on while they're doing that. And then they stop, and that papery voice sounds in the dark again. And the attendant tells you, they have located the scroll. I will be right back. The- They've located the scroll. And he goes out. What scroll? I have no idea. I don't (laughs) (laughs) He crawls out. You see a brief flash of light from outside, and then the curtain falls back into place. And after about 30 seconds, you hear footsteps outside, soft padding footsteps, and the attendant comes back in carrying a scroll. This is what the scroll looks like. And we're going to post a picture of this on Instagram. Whoa. Oh my goodness. Whoa. What up, even? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> that is legit. And so you see this ancient parchment <gasps> change hands. And as you see it in the lamplight, you can see that the parchment is badly damaged. Is this actual Arabic, Dad? No. No? Okay. The parchment is badly damaged. And at first, the attendant looks mortified, as though the information you need is not going to be recoverable. And certainly when they first unroll the scroll, the ancient ones look a bit concerned, but then one of them begins to chant something in his language. And again, after a little bit, another one seems to be speaking... Abayid, it's the more front-of-the-mouth sound. And what you can gather, because the attendant is murmuring to himself as they're doing this, he says they're doing it. They are rebuilding the script. So between their shared (laughs) knowledge, these ancient ones are able to reconstruct the original text. 
And as they start to make sense of the words and to draw on their, their memories learned through years and years of study of all of these scrolls, the narrative begins to take shape. And you can see the attendant beginning to press into a, a wax tablet with a stylus. And he just about as quickly as the sounds are coming out of the papery voices, he's transcribing it onto this wax tablet. And then when he's done, there's another interval where he's taking it from the stenographic form and then putting it onto a piece of paper that you can then read. Who would like to read this? Me, 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 me. You get to read the poem. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Bash, yeah, because he loves ancient documents and things. It's my turn to read the ancient text. No. <laughs> no, I, I was just oh, making fun bash. of us. I was yeah. just making fun of us all just like squabbling over who should read it. It's in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Dope. Well, you should be fine then, right? <laughs> Miguel es muy guapo. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. From the desert sage, in the shade of the fire blossom bush sat the sage. He pondered its branches and welcomed relief from the sun. Why do you flourish when all else is waste? Here was no cool breeze. Here is no racing stream, only mile upon mile of flowing sand. The hot wind blew, stirring the branches, and in their stirring, he heard a reply. I gain my strength from the spreading root, the feet that grab beneath the ground. My arms reach up toward the sky, the smile of the sun. My thorns are sharp and pierce the hungry to keep my blossoms safe. My blooms roll open in the dawn and drink deep of nightly damp. So must the people of this land be, if they are to survive, strong of foot, embracing the sun, fierce against foe, making much of little. Only in these things will they find length of days. The wise will heed. The desert sage found comfort in the desert. Feet burned black by sun-bleached sand. No music of the flute to distract from thought. The wind in the sand was music enough. No laughter and merriment to divert from contemplation of suffering. The sun's dance and the dunes was happiness itself. No call of the merchant to entice the eyes with shiny things. In the full heat of the sun, a bowl of rice and a handful of water became treasure enough. I came to him then, sitting by him to hear his tale. In his wanderings, the sage roamed far abroad. He left the sands, forsaken the land of his birth. His feet walked distant ways to the ceiling of the world, to the waters of its end. He spoke to me of things unthought, unimagined, wondrous things no merchant could hope ever to sell in the sook. But how his eyes danced in the shade of the fire-blossom bush when he spoke of the pillars, tall and crystalline, clear as glass, yet without life. They stood at the four corners of the land, upholding the ceiling of the sky, the realm of the one true God who once wrestled daily with his greatest foe, the pillars, the gifts and remnants of God and foe, master of the sky and, and usurper, protectors of their being. Those who awaken them, he said, will restore the power of the former music. His voice faltered, then resumed. Tall and crystalline, he said, stones fallen from the stars, but their shadows stretched afar and hid much in their reach. In this world of ours, there is a light, there is a shadow, 
they are, are intertwined, inseparable. He took my hand, his eyes aflame. Light, shadow, shadow, light. One is not one without the other, yet both are distinct. The wise will heed. In his journey, drawn as he was to the pillars yet without knowing, he found pieces thereof shattered arms of the stars, teardrops of the fallen god and his darksome enemy. I sought clarification of these words, but he fell silent, and so watched the passage of the sun there in the shade of the fire blossom bush. That was awesome. <laughs> So you are all welcome to ponder this, and you can keep this transcription. <laughs> I know there was a lot to it, and yeah, for listeners, you may want to back up and listen to it again. Yeah, I don't okay. know. So, uh, so okay, so this is what he is written down and, and finished like, of this part that is damaged. Yes, yes. And mm-hmm. we can keep what he has transcribed just yes. now? Fantastic. Yes. Fantastic. Although he is already making a separate copy mm-hmm. to to supplement the scroll that's been damaged mm-hmm. based on his... So apparently this is not uncommon for them where they are preserving the scrolls through shared memory. And that, to me, was just the neat part about yeah. this library where you have the librarian, so to speak, are actually the, the keepers of the ancient knowledge. How old are these ancient It's impossible to tell. We don't know. Impossible to tell. Three years old. Uh, but why don't you take a moment to discuss yeah. what you gain from this? If anything, Peter, it says, where was it? One true God. Impossible. Well, it's not impossible. It's just because it's not what you have thought up until now. There's always been multiple gods. Well, but maybe there hasn't always been. Maybe there was originally one and and he was fractured, as it says in this poem. But then how powerful could that god be if he was able to be fractured in such a manner? Well, only as powerful as his enemy, I suppose. Mm. This knowledge is from way back before you started studying and learning under the physic back in Arden. I don't know if we need sh- we should take this text literally, but it seems as though what we're holding... Are pieces of this god? I look down at yeah, my so star stone. We're all looking even more reverently at these pieces. You remember when we put the three pieces together and gave it to um, to Peter, and how much more powerful he was by having three versus just the one? That's I look, true. I look incredibly hungry at the mention of that. I mean, do we notice this, this look on his face? Why don't you do a perception check? I'll roll my 20. With a DC uh-huh. of 12. Oh, okay. Nope. What's your add, wisdom? Yeah, you oh, wisdom. plus two. <laughs> so I got a 12. Tira, you notice a passing glimpse. Womberbash, if you want to also do that, you can. Got a 19. Tira, you see a fleeting glimpse, but Womberbash, you definitely see a look of intense desire pass over Peter's face at the remembrance or at the mention of that moment. I guess we never really talked about it, Peter, what it was like. Um, but, you know, it, we know that there are more than just these three because, remember, um, Peter used to have one and he it was stolen. One. So there, there, there could be more of these around besides are the Are those ones. what the stag sent us to collect? I, I guess maybe we're supposed to... 
I, I take the transcript and I, and I look at it and I read. My other thing is, I mean, if, if you know, these are powerful by themselves, and then Peter was pretty powerful with three, imagine what the being would be like whole, and then imagine, like, what his enemy would be to be able to contend with that person. But how his eyes danced in the shade of the fire blossom bush when he spoke of the pillars. And at the mention of the pillars, it happened before, during the original reading, mm-hmm. But again, when Peter re-mentions it, a, a chill runs through you at the mention of the pillar. And you again hear that almost an inaudible voice saying, Soon. The pillar is tall and crystalline, clear as glass, yet without life. Wait, Peter, stop. Did you guys feel that? Yeah. Yeah, like hungry. <laughs> Don't even ask what it was I felt. Yeah, I felt it, whatever it was. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> um, they stood at the four corners of the land, upholding the ceiling of the sky. It sounds very mythological, like a legend. But, but we have these stones. And I'm trying to remember back to... The dream we all had, there was a fragmenting of, of something then, too, and something... We, that, that was the mural. That was the mural that we saw. No, we, remember, we had a dream where I, we, I could... We all three had the same dream where I saw what was happening to Bash and to you, and at you Fever guys Fuse saw what was house. happening to me hmm? at Fever Fuse. Remember when we were staying in the triangle? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the math problem. No. The, no. Cut that out, cut that out. <laughs> at Fever Fuse house, that was the splintering animals. Oh yeah, when when uh well, I'm thinking back Bash- to the original triangle dream. Ah, okay. So that was yeah. That was way on back there. We're getting all sorts of dreams mixed up <laughs> no here. Kidding. <laughs> I I remember in that dream one went into my body. It did. We we already Where? did kind a- of cover that. How a- a- there's a chance that one of those stones is inside of Wamberbash. Right. So now but now we're can thinking I- that means he has godlike powers. Can I ask can I ask the ancient ones if I have a star? Like, can they determine whether they I have, they have the, a star stone in me, in my body? You ask the attendant this, and he translates your question. And after a moment of consideration and the hum of voices again in the darkness, the response comes back, We do not know. What happens when we put two stones together again? Remember when I put the stone next to hers, what happened? We kind of got sick. There was a feeling of unsettledness as you held your own stones but placed them in proximity to each other. Yeah, there was just a feeling of... It was not a pleasant feeling. Mm -hmm. What happened to Peter when all three he had him in his hand? I mean, I know what happened, but I'm saying, what did he feel? Well, I like kind of blacked out... And was going into spasmatic twitches. Twitching? Spasming. Spazzing out. Can you put one of your stones up to my chest? I'm going to hold my my arm out here with the one that's on my uh, I'll, thing. I'll try. You do that, and your stone begins to glow. It, it's you not It's like... not glow bright. No, just like from the, from the depths. Yeah, maybe. yeah. There, there's a little extra... Glimmer. Yes. Let's say that. Peter's eyes go wide. 
<laughs> yeah, you're you're being tempted sorely here, especially since Wamberbash's hand is hovering in front of your face with the <laughs> with the stone on his wrist. And Ancient please. ones, do you do you know of any other stones in this city? The attendant, before he translates this, says, They are getting very tired. This will be your last question. And so he asks the question. And after an even longer delay, the answer comes back, Not that we are aware of. Okay, thank you very much for your time. I bow, I bow again. <laughs> yes, you all crawl backwards through the curtain and into the yeah, hallway so, yeah. outside. Okay, you're back in the outer hallway, and you're trying to take in everything that you just witnessed. I pull my I pull our... my sleeves back down and and cover up my stone that's on my arm. Okay, anything else you want to do in here? I wish I would have asked if there's any other scroll in here that'll tell us a little bit more more about the stones themselves, but I doubt that there is. Uh, this this is a lot. Good grief! Can you imagine what what we're gonna find out in the other three cities? Oh yeah, we we, we have, have three more we have three more places to, to go. So we so there was the city Jama. There was this, yeah. There was also. A Bendele. in the country of Muaka. There was also um, Tuanue over in Dalhuin and Jarhamanad, which was in Rahashmanath. So. This, which, this, this quest is much larger than I had at first imagined. Agreed. And what's this fire blossom plant? Is that significant or is it just part of the scene? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of time spent describing this plant under which the sage was... And who's the sage? I think it's pronounced sage. (laughs) Sage. (laughs) Well, all right. Well, it's getting kind of late. I'm kind of hungry as well. Can we go back to the... um, We just had dinner. (laughs) Can we go back to the thing and and I need to get some more food? Fine. Okay. But I think that whatever we were supposed to come here for, we've already, we've got it. Yeah, I agree. I think this this must be it. Um, right, but we have one wait, more thing we, to do. We have to get. We have to find out and locate a mesh. A mesh. A mesh. A mesh. So he is being held in prison. We know that. Um, as we walk out of the library, I'm going to talk to the homeboy that's standing in front. Um, I'm going to say, I'm sorry, uh, do you know where the prison is? Uh, Let's make straight for it. <laughs> <laughs> he looks a little confused and says, why do you wish to know? Well, that's where I mean, we need information, and that's what the library is for, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> None of your business, basically. <laughs> well, while you're while you're standing there awkwardly, uh, you do see a contingent of guards making its way across the courtyard, and they appear to have somebody in chains between them. Let's uh, let's let's follow. Uh, thank you very much for uh, yeah. not answering my question. <laughs> okay. I have dark vision. So, can I see it any better? You can see that it's a person. 
does does, does the person look related? Does that mesh? Does it look like somebody like who could be related to um, the, the I mean, scorpion? Can I, I can. We can tell it's a human. You can tell it's a human, and I can't see any better than the rest of them. They're right? a good distance away. Can All right, let's let's, and let's they're, follow them. They're moving away from you. Okay. Let's, let's follow them, but like a, ba- a ways back, so they can't tell that they're they're being followed. Okay. Just to kind of find out. All right. On also, way, on as you make food. your way down the stairs into the sandy waste around the grand tent, uh, you can see, you can hear somebody humming off to your right, and it appears to be Parsifal, Nettleford Perkins, and he's walking with a jaunty step. Uh, and he's going to cross your path, and you can hear him saying something about, so after I check on the slaves, making sure my shipment is safe, and that's about as far as he gets when he crosses your path. Oh, hello. Hello. I- I'm sorry, we-, we don't have time to talk to you right now. Let's, um, let's, let's go. Let's get Tira out of here. As, on, as we're continuing, as we're continuing, I say he was talking about the slaves. He's going to go check on his slaves. Someone well, needs. I, someone. I don't someone think needs a to mesh go. Is one of them. Yeah, someone will. There are three humans in the shipment. Someone needs to go and follow him before he gets too far away, just in case. I, well, don't send me I, after him because I, mean, I, I think, want to catch up to him instead. I think the Maharaja <laughs> said that he was in prison. Yeah. The the the. Uh, Sudan. Sudan. Yeah. yeah. Well, wait. It said. That he captured um, the scorpion's brother hmm. and was holding him as ransom or something. I don't think that Fancy Pants has him. <laughs> fine. I mean, if you if you want to follow him, fine. If, the if guards, you send me, the if you send are me after him, away. I'm going to kill him. All the right, guards I'm, are getting further away. We need to go. Yeah, let's, let's get moving. Okay. Enough distances come between you that you can follow without fear of them turning around and thinking that you're following them. And so you make your way across the courtyard and up ahead, you can see the disc and that is where we're going to end. What? It. what? <laughs> <laughs> come on. I need pencils. I know. We, I, no, I, pencils. I saw that about halfway through pencils. the thing. Fantastic. I realized we don't have any pencils. Let's talk experience points. <laughs> We did explore another area of the town. You did. I'm going to give you one discovery point for that, as well as 10 experience points for finding the text. And that is a significant part of your quest. And now... There we go. (laughs) Make the triangle, make the triangle. And now we will talk about Norse battle. Well, Wamberbesh is... Lovely reading of the scroll. Me role playing my minus go- half points for that. <laughs> <laughs> me getting me playing up my golem tendencies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember okay. yeah, yeah. Why don't you take two for that, Sweet. Peter? Sweet. I didn't really do anything this time. <laughs> Tira Fernand going into a I rage. I mean, I brought up the thing about the one true god and was asking Peter about that because as he's always maintained that there's that's ridiculous mm-hmm. for there to be one god. Yeah, for making connections, why don't you take one? Spiffy. Anything else? All right. So why don't we go through the recap here, Meredith? Oh, uh, okay. So hang on. I got to do some math in here. I got to do some math. Uh, that should Time to be... math it up. Yeah. So that should be 41, right? 41 points into level four? I don't know. 29 plus 12, 41. 41 points into level four. 
Wamrabash is 60 points into level four. Stop. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> Peter Greyhawk is 43 experience points into level four. Excellent. Well, we want to thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed this next chapter in our ongoing story. And we will see you again here next time at Stack of Dice. I was going to say, are you guys partaking in the festivities of Black I, Friday? I might, I might go out a little bit after, like this afternoon after we're oh. all done. I, I never do the waiting in line at four in the morning mm. thing. That's ridiculous. I bought some shoelaces. Great. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> I got 25% off. All right. Cool, so it only cost you $3 instead yeah, of 4 Yeah, exactly. Woo! Actually, cool. they were $27. What? They're not were traditional they shoelaces. No, they were, they were the... They were the, the Gold they were, they were shoelaces. Two there were two packs. Oh well, that explains it. And they were they were um they like these rubber band things that like inter interlock, yeah. so you don't have to actually right. tie the, the right. rubber band. I mean, tie the. It, yeah. They're weightless. Oh, great. <laughs> they're gold. <laughs> Anti gravity shoelaces. Limited edition, number stamped oh, the, individually. So, and this soundbite tells you everything you need to know about Michael. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal.